The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Friend, relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, and thank you for watching. And thank you, Will, for fronting up to your second podcast of the day. The day after watching your beloved Bulldogs, um, I get smashed in the grand final. Uh, you've spent an hour doing a live show for all the two guys, one cup fans, and now you're back here again to try and bring the funny on a day in which you must be feeling pretty flat. I mean, it would have been easier if you didn't bring it up right at the start again. <laughs> we could have just talked about Podcast Mike's T-shirt for a while and had some fun. Oh, no, no, no. Let's it. talk about the game in excruciating <laughs> detail. And, uh, uh, what, what I will say is for people who don't listen to our football podcast that I think that Charlie might be more invested in me being miserable than I am miserable at this definitely. moment because... You want me to feel the pain, to understand the pain that you've been through and to, to relate, relate to it. You want me to be you now so you mm. can see yourself in the mirror, so you can say, it's okay. Other people feel like this as well. Look at the cruelties that are done to other people in the world. Yeah. Hurt people hurt others. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to that. Maybe I'll get to yeah. that. But here's where I am at the moment. Because this is a life philosophy more than a football one anyway. Mm. It's a fucking game. And they play the game to see who's the best team on the day at the game. And we had a crack and then the other team were better on the day. Like, I'm glad we tried. I'm glad we tried mm. to do something good. And sometimes when you try to do something good, you know, you don't get everything that you want. But you know what? It's it, That's okay. That's life. Do you think it's, it's tiresome when you see um, there was people, a lot of people were sharing around Jane Caro's tweet. You know, it's a fairly common refrain yeah, every yeah. year that someone's like, oh, I understand there's some sports ball event happening on the weekend. And, you know, people like to shit on something that makes a lot of people happy. You know, I was thinking about it because I'm like, oh, that's, that's mean. Like, that's an unnecessary tweet and it's very condescending and stuff. But then part of me is like, but I, if I'm honest with myself, I kind of want to shit on stuff that other people like as well. Like... When people on a Monday or whenever Q&A's on and they all start, you know, tweeting out their opinions about q and I'm very tempted to, like, make fun of them. Stop watching Q&A or whatever it is. But then I don't. I think that the difference, though, is that I want to shit on things, but then I realize, well, fuck it. It's not my thing, but these people seem to enjoy it. So We all want to shit on things. And then the computer came along and said, imagine if we had, like, a thing that you could just sit on all day and shit on things. Like, we'll show you things and then you can shit on them constantly we are going to show you the most amazing things in the world and you are going to be amazed by little to none of them you're going to hate most of them welcome to the new world well it's interesting i saw her trying to defend the tweet as being this was not yeah i wasn't demeaning people who like sport or athletes i what i was trying to do was provide some kind of solace or support to people out there who might be like me who grew up not understanding or being interested in sport and just wanted to read their, yeah. read their Jane Austen novels. Yeah, no, I get... I, here's what I would say. Not the day for it. Yeah. Like, that's all I ever say. It's like there's a good argument to be made about, you know, it's you just don't fire off your war is wrong tweet on Anzac Day. 
Like, make the point 365, you know, 364 the rest of the year. Like, you know, do that. That's fine. I get that. Sport can be incredibly disenfranchising. If you can't see the appeal of it, if you can't understand the magic of it, if you can't see the positive of it, so often what is represented in the media are the negatives. Mm. So if you're an outsider and all you're seeing is like, you know, male violence goes up on grand final day or you're seeing people in the game lauded despite the fact that they have done terrible things or you see, you know, the Australian of the Year hounded out of his sport like because people booed him for racist reasons. If you don't, like, watch the sport, we hate those things and we mm. we see all the appeals of it as well. So if you're on the outside and you only see the negatives, I can understand why people would be. But I well, that that whole sports ball thing, like, yeah, se- yeah no, seriously, grow well, up. I, like, I, you're, but, <laughs> how old are you? Just be an adult. <laughs> but I think when, when Gemma and I first got together, she was, because she came from Scotland where it was Rangers versus Celtics, that huge rivalry, and she'd worked in bars where it was just like blood bars after a game. And her only association with football was violence, you know, and so she had completely rejected it and she – her, her interests were more in like the arts and performing arts and all that kind of stuff. And so when, and all her boyfriends prior to me had been musicians or artists or whatever. And so when I showed this Kenny in football, she was like, but that's, that, that's that thing that it, it's pointless, that it's just, it leads to violence. And so I had to, and it was funny because at first she was incredibly cynical where I tried to, I tried to be Martin Flanagan <laughs> and I tried to explain that no, there's real poetry and there's real like beauty within the sport itself, not just the actual contest, but the stories behind the contest and blah, 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 blah. And she didn't, she wasn't really engaged, but then like anything, like any TV show, like any, uh, event, any band, even you give someone characters. Oh, this is this guy's story. This is the relationship between these two characters. This is, and suddenly, this is what this person has had to overcome to get to this moment. This is exactly. why this would or, be special to them, or vice versa. Or this is this is the or this is the dynamic between yeah. these two. This person's always getting in this person's way, or this person, you know, secretly wants that person's job. And once people have that kind of mm. connection, I mean, I've heard Tony Martin talk about it as well about you know spending most of his adult life in Melbourne and like totally understanding and appreciating the passion that Melbournians have for football. But for him, he just, it's like he's dyslexic when it comes to sport. He doesn't under, he doesn't know what sports, which he doesn't understand it, wants to understand it, but it just doesn't click. And I totally get that, but he doesn't shit on it. Like he doesn't kind of send out a tweet saying, I'd much rather be watching my obscure British sitcoms for the sixties and seventies. Yeah, and watch 84 episodes ball. of on the buses and ranking them in order. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, it was, I find that sort of stuff like, and I like Jane, Jane's a mm. friend of mine, Jane Caro. And, uh, I have a great deal of respect for her in so many things that she lobbies and advocates for. But I mean, that's just a, if if you're pretending that you don't think that's a provocative tweet, (laughs) like, you know, it's, it's doing your Catholic joke, you know, on the day of the Pope's coronation or whatever. Like it's, if you, if you send that out on that day, there is part of it that is definitely about provoking a response. It's like tweeting how bad the Logies are while you're actually at the Logies. I mean, (laughs) no, see, I would say that would be like, say, Angus Brayshaw getting out his phone, like while he's on the ground and starting just writing off Bulldogs fires, like sending nasty tweets. (laughs) Anyway, 
Anyway, anyway, commiserations, Will. Um, Thank you. At least you've got one. At least you've got one you can, you actually saw with your own eyes. You can always go back to that. I don't. Um, Broden Kelly, who was also on the call, I just was texting with him. And he's been very sweet. Like, there is that, uh, this is a thing about barracking for a club that's never won a flag and having seen a lot of my friends uh, barrack for clubs that win flags. Every one of them, they always become very magnanimous. You know, they're always like, oh, mate, like the Saints will win one and I can't wait for you to experience the same joy that I'm feeling, which is a wonderful, beautiful sentiment. But I don't know if I believe it. Like, I was thinking about it today because he was like, surely the Saints are due. And I'm like, no, they're not. Like, the, the, the universe is a cruel place and there is no poetic uh, justice. There is no uh, rhyme or reason why some things happen. The, 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 look, the odds aren't impossible. It's only one in 18. But in 140 years, we've only done it once. So if you take that as a kind of template, then maybe I will never be happy. I mean, you've got to probably have a conversation with yourself about how much of your happiness you're willing to give over to something that is completely and utterly beyond your control. Well, you can say that now because you got some happiness from it, right? Like, if you were still like me, would you be having that conversation? No, you're like a gambler who's just like still, well, come on, like, you know, come on, snake eyes. I'm going to bet up big. That's what I'm holding out for is the big payday. Yeah, so you can get the – I mean, I think that you're probably at least in part right in that the fact that we won it. Like, I, I was that guy who was like on that – you know, call me Ishmael type quest to find this mythical white whale. But when I found it, I wasn't like, now I'm going to kill all the whales. I'm like, I'm happy. <laughs> we, we still got some yeah. of that whale left over in the tub freezer downstairs, guys. We don't need another whale. Yeah. You did. You were very, you were very um, circumspect about it. Like you didn't suddenly get a big head, big head or anything. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Like that was a lovely, lovely surprise i'm going to soak up every bit of you know media around it and stuff and i'm going to put that in my little pocket and that's going to be one of my happy memories like i imagine when you're on your deathbed in the next two to three years uh, <laughs> <laughs> thinking to quote norm mcdonald why did i buy a deathbed <laughs> <laughs> when your last synapses are firing you'll be able to go to that moment like you know you can put that in your little memory bank of like best days of your life. Right? Yeah. Well, even like this weekend just gone. So for people who don't know, the AFL grand final was on a Saturday night. So on the Friday night, I needed to do something. And so I watched the 2016 grand final. So to be honest, oh. over the weekend, I, see us, I saw us win one and I saw us lose one. So yeah. it's kind of a draw for the weekend. They were both, I enjoyed watching Friday night a lot more than Saturday night, it turns out. It was funny because... They were, they replay all the old grand finals in the lead up to the grand final, and I can't. I haven't gone back and watched any of the ones that the Saints have lost. And then I had Nick Revolt, who, for people who don't know, was the captain of St Kilda during those grand final periods, talking about how he finally went back and watched the 2009 grand final, and he said that it wasn't as bad. Like watching it wasn't as bad as he anticipated it was going to be because he feels like they gave everything. Like watching the game was incredibly brutal. Like every possession was contested and they all went hard. And like you were sort of saying about, you know, this grand final, they just weren't good enough. They just didn't get it. But also, like you said, all our good bits of the grand final, because it was very close for a long time. Anyway, we have a whole other podcast, but we're not doing another episode of that this season. So, <laughs> so I guess, sh you, I guess you're getting it here. Strap yourself it's in. a crossover episode. But we played... 
you know, badly in the first quarter, but then we played pretty well for like a quarter and a half. And we, you know, we were really in it towards the end. And then we got absolutely smashed. You know, once it was kind of one, it got one convincingly. But there's a good half of that game that I can watch without really seeing Melbourne score a goal. Like I can sit down and watch a good 40 minutes of that grand final, enjoy that, and just ignore the rest of it. I can watch what I often do is watch Shaun of the Dead up to, but not entirely up to when his mum dies, because it always makes me sad. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Why that um, uh, above all, like other films? Is it something specific about the relationship with the Don't mum? know exactly, but I find it... That's funny. Like, just if I've sat down, I'm not... like This wouldn't be like if I'd sat down to watch the entire film, but say it's just on the TV and you're like mm. watching 20 minutes, I always find, oh, his mum's about to die, so I'm going to switch over to something else now. It is funny. I know this is a conversation we've definitely had on this show, but there are some films which shouldn't make you cry or you can see it's like incredibly sentimental or obvious. But for some reason, just the magic formula of the music and the acting and it, it just gets you every single time. Like I've told this story a million times about seeing Big Fish with Gem on like our first date. And there's just something about that last scene, you know, and maybe being someone who lost his father when I was a boy and all that kind of stuff. Like... I can't, if I hear Man of the Hour by Eddie Vedder, like immediately <laughs> makes my throat tighten up and I just want to cry. It's like, God damn it. Tim Burton made a fairly average film, but nailed just one scene. <laughs> <laughs> now, Will, I've brought something. Uh, we'll get off the football yes. uh, and, and, and dead parent stuff. <laughs> Good strong opening. <laughs> and move into some more traditional TOEFOP territory. Uh, a listener, and I'm sorry, I've lost your email, so I can't remember your name, but a listener was very um, uh, taken with our Celebrity Beefs uh, episode or, or two-parter and has sent us an article that he thought um, we might like to dissect, which is from Tone Death, which is uh, the heading of the article. It's Move Over Nevermind, Move Over Nevermind Baby. Here are five other surprising musical lawsuits or music lawsuits, Great. I should say. Love it. Um, okay, so after the Baby from Nevermind album cover sued Nirvana, we take a look at five other surprising music lawsuits. You did you see that, that person, by the way, who in Victoria did their cycling uh, map? You know how you can like map where you've gone on your run or your cycle? Did you see this? And he did the Baby from Nevermind oh, all over wow. the suburbs of Melbourne. It's really cool. Like, it was out today. It was online. Did he put a, a, a dick? Yeah, yeah. So he's also being sued <laughs> by that baby from Nirvana. <laughs> You've probably heard about the baby. Oh, this is by Connor Lockery. You've probably heard about the baby from the cover of the classic Nirvana Nevermind album, suing the band, alleging that he was a victim of child pornography. Spencer Eldon, now 30, finally spoke up about featuring on the 1991 cover, asking for at least 150000 in damages. Um, when I was at high school, we had a high school uh, newspaper, I guess, or magazine that was like a quarterly magazine um, that was banned controversially like a couple of years before I, I started high school because the students used it um, to, you know, to, to just mock and satirize the school and they shut it down, Will. It was shut down. And so Michael Chamberlain and I, with a couple of other students, went and lobbied the headmaster to revive the school magazine. And they were like, right, but you're not going to – you're not going to revive this magazine and just like make fun of staff members and faculty and all that. And we're like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so <laughs> we got permission to go ahead. And so uh, Photoshop had just, I think the Photoshop, you know, version 1.0 had just come out of Adobe's Photoshop. And one of the guys who was good at it, we got him, we got a photo of our assistant headmaster 
And we put his head on the <laughs> never mind baby and put it on the cover of the, of the magazine. Which they called us in and they said, right. We said, and we're like, no, look, this is a this is a tribute. This is like the biggest album from a couple of years ago. And they said, right, well, you're going to have to remove the penis. So we had to go back and airbrush out the penis. The magazine, though, I'm very proud to say, still got printed. Do you think it was because the principal was worried that people might think he had a tiny little baby dick? <laughs> Maybe. He was like, did he say you're going to have to remove the penis or enlarge and it. replace it with this giant penis that I provided? <laughs> he, called, he called us into his office. And he sat us down and he had like some just some cards on the desk and he just held up options. One, elephant's penis. We're like, no. And I'll say, whale's penis. <laughs> Rhino's penis. And we're like, uh, sir, before you go any further, I think it's all going to be the penises of large mammals. And it's like, no, hold on. Crab's penis, enlarged. I don't even know if crabs have a penis. They wouldn't. How do you get it out of that shell? Well, I mean, in the same way as anything comes out of the shell, I imagine. It just, like, a pops out. Zip. <laughs> I don't think there's a zip. I think there's probably just a hole. Well, if you're like a... Oh, now this is... If Adam Spencer's living, listening, he's going to be all over this. But if you're a, a something that lays an egg, right? Like, so not yeah. a mammal, whatever they are, how did... Have we talked about this before? But like, so the, the female <laughs> lays the eggs and then the male comes and spoofs on them or something? Is that how? <laughs> is that how it happens? Or I mean, does he spoof, that, is a br- does he spoof, that is a very broad generalization. Does he spoof in the female and she lays the eggs? That's probably makes uh, more sense. You know what? I've found an, abs- an article that is absolutely up our alley. So this is from The Sun. In the UK, uh, here is the uh, headline. Hermit crabs evolved huge penises <laughs> <laughs> so they can have sex without leaving home. What? So, scientists measured the penis-to-body ratio of more than 300 crabs. <laughs> can you imagine getting your science degree? <laughs> I've been down the lab with a pen and a crab. <laughs> Trying to get this damn penis up. <laughs> so, hermit crabs have found. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if anyone out there likes Dr. Dre, you're going to love that. <clears throat> hermit crabs have found a way to have sex without leaving the house by evolving super long willies. Um, the plucky ocean critters boast penises that measure more than half the length of their bodies, giving their nether regions an impressive reach. Hermit crabs have sex, here we go, by lining up the openings of their shells. So you've got to find an opening in your shell, line it up with the opening of your partner's shell. The male then does his business into the opening of his partner's home. So, basically, so basically glory just holds comes it. by and just, yeah, wanks through the window. <laughs> Romantic. To manage this, the male has to shift out of his shell. Oh, okay. So he gets out of his shell. Baby, take off your shell real slow. It's <laughs> getting hot in here. So take off all your shell. <laughs> 
So, okay, this is how horny the male has to be because he leaves his house open to other crabs who may try and nick it. So basically when you leave your house to go and have sex, somebody might come in and sneak in and take your house. (laughs) Um, Some crabs have gotten around this problem by evolving massive willies that allowed them to have sex while still in their shell, a study found. But doesn't like evolution take like hundreds of thousands of years? Like, it just seems like a it's an oddly specific thing. Well, you know what? That's not true because I guess breeding or reproduction is like the primary directive of any species. So, right. But rather than like, hey, why don't we come up with a more malleable shell or a shell with a bigger opening? It's like, not nah, massive dicks. <laughs> Crap men are in charge, clearly, (laughs) of evolution. Uh, Crabs carrying more valuable shells are more likely to grow massive dicks to protect their property from being stolen. What the hell is going on in the crab world? What do you mean more valuable shells, as in less damaged or something? Well, yeah, and nicer. Oh, hang on. Hermit crabs are the ones that scuttle across the floor and they'll find a shell and they'll get into it. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Right. So... Hang on. So if you're a, if you're a hermit crab, uh, like you know you've started out, you started at the bottom. Now you're here. So you've just you got you got no you, your crib's not that flash, and then you find yourself like a massive shell, like a dead I don't know clam or something like that. And you get this big pimping shell. Suddenly the value of your shell has gone up. Does that mean your penis yeah. will suddenly grow uh, in relation to how valuable your new shell is? I mean, it is an incentive to get a better, better house. Yeah, right. <laughs> you were really going up in the world. I saw you in that massive shell and <laughs> also saw your massive new cock. Well, the thing is, well, you hear about these stories and you find out that these crabs, it's always the same story. Their parents their parents have kicked in a bit of money. They've lived yep. at home until they were 30. They lived in their parents' shell. Lived in their parents' 30. shell until they were 30. <laughs> And then they tell the other crabs not to eat avocado on toast. It's ridiculous. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's all the information I have about crab penises. <laughs> Back to uh, the tone deaf article. So, reaction to the Nevermind lawsuit, which came out of the blue, was mixed. Some backed Eldon, who was a never who has a Nevermind tattoo on his chest, while others dismissed it as a silly case destined to fail. Uh, what was your take on Eldon's lawsuit? Oh, it's a difficult area because obviously child pornography is a serious thing. And if like things are legitimately child pornography, they should be treated with the harshest of penalties. So, but with that said, when you read more about him and his kind of life and it feels like, Cash you know, it feels like there's, some, well, it feels like there must be some way that they can find him some money that will be enough money for him to, like he obviously needs some money and like i think that album has made so much money and whatever that just like let's find him some money and some support and hopefully everything's okay in his life uh it got tone deaf to thinking about other music lawsuits that have happened over the years take a look below at five of the most surprising music lawsuits and tell us if we missed any other ludicrous ones the beastie boys versus a random jazz dude So, back in 2002, jazz musician James Newton wasn't too happy with the hip-hop trio. He sued them for using three notes from his composition choir in their track, Pass the Mic. 
Here's the kicker. The Beastie Boys actually paid Newton's record label for the sample, but Newton wanted more, arguing that he also deserved a songwriting credit and royalties. The judge, realizing that a minuscule flute riff doesn't equate with, to an entire song, unsurprisingly ruled against Newton. So I guess it's the... From Pass Me The Mic. It doesn't... It feels like if they already paid for the sample... You can't then. Suddenly, I don't feel like. Yeah. I don't feel like that is the definitive bit of that song that somehow means that you're suddenly one of the Beastie Boys, <laughs> old jazz musician, is rocking up to gigs in his tracksuit, going, "Come on, pa- I heard it was called Pass the Mic. Pass the Mic to me." I think it's. I've, I remember um, someone blowing my mind about uh, Led Zeppelin. That apparently Led Zeppelin, like all their biggest hits, are all ripoffs of like you know, blues standards and stuff. And if you go on YouTube and you type in Led Zeppelin plagiarism, they'll just do these side-by-side comparisons. And so what Led Zeppelin... Well, firstly, that you'll get a lot of Wolf Mother clips. <laughs> after that, if you dig down a little bit further. But what Led Zeppelin did is um, kind of what you were saying uh, Nirvana should do with this uh, elder dude is they just settled with all these musicians. They said, all right, we'll just give you money. We'll give you songwriting credit. I think they were gambling on the fact that they were going to be one of the biggest bands in the world and they'd have enough cash that they could easily, you know, uh, pay for someone and, and credit someone. But it is it is interesting. Like, that is... With hip-hop, because it's all about samples and stuff like that. And I guess you're right. Like, if, if the hook or the chorus or something... If it was like nosebleed section, the flute from nosebleed section, which is so kind of iconic and immediately recognizable, you're like, well, yeah, sure. I hope that person got paid for that or credited in 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 um in in the in the songwriting credits. But that little flute note in past the mic, like past the mic is it's such a sparse, like stripped down rap song. It's nearly yeah. all if, about if the, the song lyrics. was called Pass the Flute, yeah. <laughs> and the flute was like the whole focus of the entire thing, sure. Uh, Billy Wyman versus Bill Bill Wyman versus Bill Wyman. I like my name. I think it's a strong one. This is the uh, this is the author of the article saying this. If I found out someone across the world had the same name, I'd be a bit peeved. What I wouldn't do though is sue them for having the audacity to share the same name as me. Bill Wyman, former bassist of the Rolling Stones, thought differently when he discovered that an American film and music critic was also called Bill Wyman. Exactly the same spelling, by the way, W-Y-M-A-N. He issued a cease and desist order to the writer, asking him to stop being Bill Wyman. But his employers, the Atlanta uh, Journal-Constitution, decided not to respond to the whinging musician's lawyers. Oh, and by the way, Rolling Stone Bill Wyman was actually born William George Perks. Oh, so he changed his name to Bill Wyman and then he was claiming, I am the only Bill Wyman. I would have just sent back a, one, like my entire letter, legal letter would have just said, Bill, comma, why man? Question mark. <laughs> well, it's like the Yahoo Serious suing Yahoo. It's like, hey man, that's my name. It's like, well, no, it's a word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You took that from the exclamation Yahoo that people would say when they were riding a horse or jumping off a cliff on a waterfall. There's another one as well. I think Planet Hollywood, when Planet Hollywood tried to open in Sydney, or they did open in Sydney, there was some cafe in King's Cross, probably one of those ones where you could buy weed under the counter or whatever, that was called Planet Hollywood. 
And they dug in. They were like, no, we have the license to that name in Sydney. You can't have it. And then so Planet Hollywood, the big Planet Hollywood, tried to sue them to get them to change their name. Okay, how much money would someone need to offer you to change your name completely? So you can't be Charlie Clawson, you can't be Charles Clawson, you can't be like Larry Clawson, yeah. you can't be, it's be completely Charlie. New. Completely new name. How much money? I wouldn't. I mean, look, if they're listening, I'm going to say like millions. But in honesty, in all honesty, it wouldn't take much at all. I don't. I'm not that attached to my name. I don't. I don't. I don't have a lot of affection for my name. I, I'm. I'm quite happy to like change it. Two hundred thousand dollars. I think that would be a minimum. I think maybe closer to like, because I'm going to have to change a lot of stuff, and especially at this point yeah. in my life. That's why I went with 200. I, I was thinking through the logistics as well. I was like, I can't lowball him. I've got to come in with a serious opening bid. There might be some negotiation, but I'm going to put a serious bid on the table. 200,000. Here's what I would negotiate. I would negotiate uh, if, if, they, if it wasn't going to be like crazy money, like millions of dollars, I would say you can, you can rent it off me for a short period of time. So for like 300,000, you can have it for five years. How much money would we have to raise on GoFundMe for you to change your name to Tofop Fofop? (laughs) (laughs) As as a marketing move, (laughs) so we crowdfund. How much much money before you took the offer to to Gemma? And explain to her, look, I've just got to at least, I'm not saying we should do this, but I've got to at least run this by you just so that you have a say as well. How much money? Uh, (laughs) Look, I don't, I think, let's say half a mil, half a mil. If you can get the Patreon up to half a mil, I will consider changing my name to Tofop (laughs) Fofop. But I would want some assurances that there's like there's a there's a end period to the to the contract. Like I can't. No, 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 no. Once you're known as Tofop Fofop, you can't go back to Charlie Clawson. I just think it will get confusing though, because my name's Tofop Fofop, and I host a show called Tofop and a show called Fofop. <laughs> you think now it'll get confusing? Yeah, and then like, what about you when you're hosting it? You're like, oh yeah, listen to my podcast Fofop with Justin Howard. Like, is that that? Podcast hosted by that guy, Tofop Fofop? And you're like, no. <laughs> Maybe Fofop listen is- to my podcast, Tofop, with my friend, Tofop Fofop. He's also on Fofop, but I'm not on Fofop when Tofop Fofop is on Fofop. I, yeah, look, I think- <laughs> why, why, Hang on, why, explain to us why you don't want to invest in our company. <laughs> All right, if you're saying like a lifetime, it would have to be millions. I'd have to... Because I think Iona, when she gets old enough to realise what I've done, is never going to talk to me again. So I need to at least, like, have her set up for life, you know, just enough money that I can, you know, get her get her set up because uh, uh, I think that she's going to be an estranged daughter from her teens onwards. Yeah, okay. So what's that? Is that, like, $2 million? Like if Yeah, I, all right, If we had $2 million, you would change... 2.5. 2.5. And I would okay. change my name to Tofop Fofop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jay-Z versus a small restaurant in Newcastle. Chef Terry Miller was understandably ecstatic back in 2005 when he won the UK cooking competition show Hell's Kitchen. You like that show, don't you? I do. 
Do you know who? Do you remember Terry Miller from 2005? I mean, if I saw a photo of him, I absolutely would remember him. He took his prize money and he invested in a restaurant in his hometown, naming it Rockefeller. On the opposite side of the Atlantic, Jay-Z somehow got wind of the restaurant's name and the lawyers from his record label, Rock uh, Rock R-O-C-A-Fella Records. So they spelt slightly differently. He, uh, Yeah, so he, the difference in spelling is uh, Terry's is Rockefeller with a K and Jay-Z's just R-O-C, Rockefeller. They contacted Miller claiming that the name of his restaurant infringed upon their copyright. What do you think of this? What do you think about like big companies like trying to barge in on a small business owner? I mean, if it was exactly the same name or... It was, you know, his artwork or his design for the restaurant was plastered with Jay-Z. I would like, okay, well, you've got, you know, I can understand. But this is, it's a different name. Look, You know what I'm loving learning about with Jay-Z? What? Like the fleshing out of what the 99 problems are. Over the last few episodes, yeah. I feel like we're, we've always heard that Jay-Z had 99 problems, but we've never really considered that some of them might be just simple copyright issues he's having with restaurants in Newcastle. Um, I think this is if he's not like if all the stuff isn't Jay Z themed, like you know, or anything like that, then I think this it. is ri- yeah ridiculous. Incredibly, the legal battle raged for years, even after the Miller's restaurant closed its doors in two thousand and eight. Jeez, he's vindictive, Jay Z, isn't he? I mean, he's not a just a businessman; he's a businessman. <laughs> He's driving someone else's businessman into fucking business insolvency, man. Uh, In the end, Miller lost and was blocked from using the name Rockefeller for his catering business. What a useless ordeal. I hope Jay-Z is never allowed to set foot in Newcastle for his cheek. That's a bit of editorializing there. That does seem oddly vindictive, doesn't it? Like the restaurant closed in 2008 and he still pursued the legal action. He wanted to just grind this guy into the ground. And again, let me point out, spelt differently. He spelt Rockefeller R O C K A F E W L A and then Jay Z's R O C dash capital A dash F E W L A. Like they don't even look Yeah, but also it's again not a term that Jay Z came up with. Like the no. Rockefellers like is a very famous family. Like like it's not like it's only associated that term with him. I, I love Jay Z, but I am not on Jay Z's side in this one. Chubby Checker Versus a penis measuring app. Oh, well, yeah, okay. And now we're back in trifopterity. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because the penis measuring app is going to be called Chubby Check. <laughs> oh, fuck, I just got that. You're right. <laughs> is that what Chubby Checker has always meant? Well, let's find out about the lawsuit and see. The rocker whose name you can never forget, most famous for his 1958 classic song, The Twist, was irate in 2013 when he discovered there was a new app for measuring your penis, which had the name The Chubby Checker. (laughs) He claimed the app, which supposedly let users estimate penis size based on a man's shoe size, caused irreparable damage and harm to his name making it associated with obscene sexual connotation and images. So I'm assuming Chubby Checker well, did not have that in mind when he came up with the name Chubby Checker. It's just an unfortunate coincidence. A man named Chubby Checker being shocked when his name was used in a lewd manner 
Sure, this checks out. By 2014, Chubby and the company responsible for the app, Hewlett Packard. Oh my God, that's like a big multinational. <laughs> it's not like some dude in his bedroom. <laughs> what is that meeting at Hewlett Packard between making boring computers and stuff? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> or, also, we've got one blue sky idea. Look, Apple got the iPhone. We've got the, the chubby checker penis measure. We've got the chubby checker, guys. Uh, they settled, but the app had already been withdrawn, leaving the men the world over to get the old measuring tape out instead. Um, Mike, while I get to this next one, can you just look up what just Chubby Checker, just find out some info on Chubby Checker. Where did the name come from? Did he wear checked suits and he was a bit overweight? Was that is that where it comes I from? I thought he was, from my memory, he was a bit overweight and I thought his last name was just like Checker. Like, but I, I don't I really know I imagine the it. meeting at Hewlett Packard when they came up with the name. It was kind of like when you and I came up with two guys, one cup. We high fived. It was like, yeah, that's it. It's dirty. It gets people talking, but it's completely innocent at the same time. The chubby, ch- I mean, rest of the day off. Yeah, it's, it's I, I imagine. You know what? I got to be honest with you. I think this is one of those ones where they came up with the name of the app and then they worked out what the app was. It does sound like. Like that TV show, Silicon Valley. It sounds like one of those no. fake apps from Silicon Valley. All right. <clears throat> oh, this is good. We talked about uh, a new metal a few a few weeks ago. Um, Slipknot versus Burger King. The metal legends found beef, wink, wink, with the fast food chain in 2005. A lot of legal shit went down in 2005. Jay-Z was suing some restaurateur and Slipknot is suing Burger King. Um, after Burger King... Started using a fictional rock band called Cock Rock. <laughs> C-O-Q-R-O-Q in their adverts. Slipknot threatened to sue them for using a lookalike sound-alike band in order to influence the Slipknot generation to purchase chicken fries. Come on, Slipknot. Take a joke. Um, I'm trying to see if there's a photo of Cock Rock, but I can't. Well, of course, you know, Russell Crowe was known as Russell Rock with a Q, R-O-Q, when he, he was making music in New Zealand. I want to, well, what was he known as? Russell Rock. Yeah, but these, I'm amazed that Burger King could get away with calling their joke band Cock Rock. Like, they're still like a family restaurant, aren't they? Yeah, but okay, well, here's some chubby checker right. information. Okay. Barbara Clark is credited with giving young Evans, so um, he's obviously his real name is Evans, his full stage name. He picked up the nickname Chubby while working in a Philadelphia poultry market. Barbara met him when he was working on his Fats Domino impression. Uh So Fats Domino is the big star of the day at the recording studio. And she said, you're Chubby Checker, like Fats Domino. Uh So... Taking the classic, you know, board game, dominoes, gone with checkers, chubby checker. Right. That makes sense. I found a picture of Cockrock from this 2004 Burger King campaign. Mm. So essentially, it, the reason why Sid not seeming to be angry, so it's a bunch of dudes in masks. That's the kind of, but they're not as kind of, if, if Slipknot were kind of like horror, new metal, these, these are more, these are, Goofy, it's like a giant rooster head, a giant chicken head, like a like a cock as in like a rooster. Uh, so I don't know. 
I mean, I guess Slipknot are like the most famous band for all wearing scary masks. But is that enough to sue a company? I don't know. Who won? Slipknot or the company? It doesn't say. It just says, oh. get a sense of humor. Get a sense of humor, uh, Slipknot. I'll see if I can find out a bit more about this. I mean, again, though, like Slipknot, you wouldn't have said famously known for their sense of humor. When you think of the greatest comedians of our generations, it's rare that Slipknot is on that list. No. Okay, here we go. I've just found an article called That Time Slipknot Sued Burger King Over Cock Rock. Okay. While we maggots, a term used affectionately, impatiently await the arrival of a new Slipknot album. I guess that maggots is what they call um, their fans. Uh, this is from Dread Central, by the way. Uh, sometime next year, the folks at Loudwire are helping pass the time by taking us to stroll down memory lane. Remember in 2005 when Slipknot uh, had a beef, pun intended. Jeez, these journalists are loving this beef pun with Burger King. The fast food chain released a controversial series of commercials featuring a faux band called Cock Rock. How they got that past the FCC is a mystery. They're all part of a promotional push for chicken fries. The band, in inverted commas, featured characters that bore more than a passing resemblance to the masked members of Slipknots. Slipknots. <laughs> Slipknot. Uh, Slipknot filed a copyright infringement claim suing Burger King and saying they misappropriated their images. The King fired back with a lawsuit reminding the band that Slipknot didn't invent masked rock, gas mask, kabuki, or dreadlocks, and therefore had no copyrights to claim. Ultimately, both suits, uh, both sides dropped their suits. Burger King came back strong, by the way. Yeah, they really did. Yeah, they were just, they, they, they took your argument, didn't, wasn't there other bands yeah. that wore masks, and they slapped it down they were just like and how about let's talk about cultural appropriation if you really want to guys <laughs> there was other people who had dreadlocks before you too it is interesting though isn't it like because you if you are the one band to popularize that particular subgenre of metal or whatever it is so you're wearing masks it's one identifiable thing is it appropriation if someone like for instance when the office was like, you know, came out and then suddenly every ad was a mock documentary with a daggy boss, you know, and it's like, well, that's, you're clearly ripping off the office, but I don't remember like Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant going out and suing every single advertising agency in the world. No, I mean, I think there's, you've got to be absolutely ripping something off rather than influencing it, I would have thought for there to be, like, I mean, well, that's maybe things that influence things all the time like there are so many songs that wouldn't exist without the Beatles imagine if the Beatles just sat around suing everybody who wrote a song that sounded vaguely like the Beatles <laughs> you'd be like guess who wrote 95% of all songs that have ever been written oh Paul McCartney and John Lennon it's interesting though isn't it because on one hand like you know like Bruno Mars he revived like like the disco genre and then he sort of did that whole kind of sting era and it's like well he even sounded like sting on those albums i mean but then i guess if sting's gonna sue then the reggae artist that the police ripped off would be like hey fuck it <laughs> you got your sound from us and then i guess the folk singers or the like the original reggae artists who those bands stole their sound off were like hey fuck it <laughs> you stole that off us yeah it's essentially a history of human centipede of music plagiarism isn't it because i mean even the original guys who banged rocks together or whatever would be like well you know we invented that beat to be honest <laughs> the beastie boys sampled on past the mic that was on my original track past the rock 
<laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's get to some mail. We've got quite a bit to catch up on. Thank you to everyone who's been uh, messaging the show. Uh, I've been cherry picking uh, some of these letters because there's so many of them and, and some uh, subjects that we've been over before. Um, if you want to write to us and you want to be guaranteed of having your letter read out, it's something you desperately want us to talk about, then the best way to do that is to join our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Because if you message us there, Will and I are legally bound to read, read every single letter that is sent to us on Patreon. It's normally a bonus episode that comes out every fortnight. There's one up there at the moment. Uh, well, it's not up there at the moment. I'm about to upload it in the next couple of days. Um, but that is the best way to get your letter read out. And while you're there, you're going to have access to a lot of great bonus content. And the best thing about supporting us on Patreon is we can continue to make this show. Isn't that right, Will? I endorse all those comments. Um, absolutely. And of course, there is uh, not just all uh, this podcast, but all of our podcasts. There is Fofop. Yeah. Um, uh, this week's episode, uh, you, you guys will find out. Determined. We don't know yet. <laughs> I forgot it was my <laughs> week, to be honest, if we're going to be completely honest. Uh, Dr. Eve uh, Rees, uh, they are an excellent guest on this week's uh, Willosophy episode. Really fascinating chat. Um, and uh, two guys, yeah. one cup. There will be a something at some stage. A, no, there'll be uh, – we're actually – so the, we did a, a big live Zoom show as we talked about at the start of the show. So we'll be releasing the audio of that on Tuesday. Okay. I think we're holding it back by a few days so everyone who's paid for it gets first dibs and then – the audio uh, will be coming out on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's a good show. I really feel good about it. I think uh, even if you don't necessarily like football, some very funny people on the show, I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, Chaz Lichardello from The Chaser and Titus O'Reilly and Broden Kelly from Auntie Donna. And- How happy did Broden seem? Like I had to message him afterwards to say like he was just effusive. Like there's no other word for it. He was just on cloud nine. Uh, no, he, it was almost like, and I don't mean this because he was super funny and super entertaining, but he just couldn't be funny. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like he was just like, he just wanted to so sincerely tell us how happy he was that like, he was just like, I don't want like jokes or cynicism or voices or anything to interrupt you guys just knowing I'm very happy right now. Well, it's also because his shtick is to be quite deadpan and stuff. And then to see yeah. him sort of so bubbly, I'm like, oh, this is a side I've never seen dear Broden before. But uh, it's a great episode. So yeah, you can find that in our two guys, one cup feed. But anyway, oh, and uh, no. We don't have something to promote, but you have a TV show that's on Wednesday nights on the ABC at 8.30. Well, what's that called? Uh, yeah, it's called Question Everything, and there's only two episodes to go for this season, but uh, all the episodes are up on ABC iView, and the last two in particular have been um, very much what I was imagining the show might be when we conceived it. So um, it's been really fun to do. Looking forward to the final two episodes, but check out the older episodes on ABC iView as well. Okay, this uh, letter is from Taryn. Hi, Charlie and Will. A few weeks ago, you read out an email on the podcast asking if it was possible for a couple of old if if, if it was possible for a couple of old Fofop regulars to be back on the show. And my reaction to hearing it was, "Oh wow, there's another person named Taryn who listens to the podcast." Followed by, "Oh, and she also loves Gray Melwood and Matt Kirshen. And then the penny dropped. <laughs> I opened my emails and I checked my sent items, and there it was. It's not another Taryn. It's this Taryn. I am the Taryn. Confused, I checked the time it was sent, 5.50 p.m. So why would I have no memory of sending it? I hadn't sent any others from that account at that time. However, my inbox was in my inbox was a delivery delayed message as I must not have had service when I tried sending it at 2, 12.03 a.m. 
So obviously the next question was why was I emailing Tofop at 12.03 a.m. on a Wednesday? I told my husband what had happened and he said, was that the night I found you sleepwalking? Cue heart attack. (laughs) I initially decided I wasn't going to share this story and keep my sleepwalking shamed myself. However, in the couple of weeks since that incident, there have been three separate things that have been delivered to my house that I have no recollection of purchasing. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but I have since traced back to the same night. So I thought I would share. I have received a portrait of my dead dog and my new dog together, a meat thermometer, and two whoopee cushions. <laughs> It's like a game of theatre sports. All right, I need uh, an object, uh, an animal, I mean, and something you stick in your bum. Two whoopee cushions, <laughs> like, is what I love the most because you've got to have a backup. got to have a spare yeah, whoopee cushion. You're going to have so much fun, someone's going to sit on it too hard, and you'll be like, fuck, I wish we'd ordered a backup whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry for the long email. No, that's not long compared to some. I just thought you would like to know that apparently Tofop has infiltrated my sub infiltrated my subconscious. But the fact that I'm you've really- written us like an email while sleepwalking and then ordered a couple of whoopee cushions... What else was it? A portrait of, I mean, her dead dog, her dead and her dog. New dog together. <laughs> like that's very specific. dog. <laughs> the fact that that even is a thing that you can get is weird. It is weird, and a meat thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened to still knocks? Is that still a thing? Do you remember? About 10 years ago, that was yeah. the rage. Like everyone was getting still knocks and walking around. I have a mate. We have a mate. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say his name on air, but you'll work it out. <laughs> or have you heard this story before? Where well, he used to love a steel knocks. And where was he? We got a phone call. We were hanging out watching the footy or something like that. And our phone rang. He was in another country where it was like early in the morning. And it was him. And so we put him on speaker and we were talking to him. And he was being his like normal kind of chatty self. But everything was like a non sequitur. It was just going in like a round and round about conversations. And I think we all kind of, Trigged at the same moment that he was sleep talking. He'd called us in his sleep and he was on Stillnox. It was bizarre. Like it was, it was like watching a foreign movie. Well, not a foreign movie because his words were making sense. It was like watching a film that was, has been cut out of sequence where he was just jumping around from topic to topic and he wasn't actually hearing us, but he was responding to the sound of our voices. It was so weird. Yeah, I think they cracked down on that a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonder why. Uh, right, this next bit of mail is from Jack. <clears throat> hey guys, so in May of this year, 2021, in case you need the reference, I got a brain tumor with crowning. That's where the brain is forced out of the skull. <clears throat> a bit like a, a crab's penis, I imagine, Will. Besides the headaches and the sore shoulders and neck, I didn't have a lot of symptoms, but I got told I couldn't leave the hospital after a scan of my head. After a two-week turnaround, I was back at home after having surgery and I should make a full recovery recovery eventually. The reason I'm saying is this is I have a backlog of Tofop episodes to get through. And I just listened to episode 335, A Box of Assholes, and it got me laughing throughout. So, thanks for all the laughs during this time. Your comedy conversation provides a lot of joy and by the time you read this, I should have easily caught up on all the episodes. All the best, Jack. Well, Jack, uh, good luck. I uh, hope you make a full recovery. I'm glad that I don't know 
I mean, we have a lot of doctors listening to this show. Should to- should you be listening to Topop after brain surgery? Do you think it might not help your brain recover? <laughs> no. like It just never properly like- reset. Like, I <laughs> know oh, his brain healed perfectly. I think it was just the podcast he was listening to. I mean, they say things like classical music and, you know, reading books and stuff is really good for your brain. I don't know that listening to Topop is great. kind of opens up the possibility, doesn't it? If there are things that are really good for your brain, there are also things that would be really terrible for your brain. Well, they say that. Isn't that social media? Isn't that what they're saying? Is like Well, that's what they say, bloody say, don't they? But you know what they say it, Charlie? On bloody social media. Um, right. This is from... I'm going to say it's pronounced Ville. Okay. I don't care how you pronounce my name because nobody else is listening in Finland anyway. We got one, Will. We got our Finnish listener. Would you pronounce V I double L E as Ville or Ville? Uh, I don't really know. Villa? 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 Villa. What, Villa. So is Finland Scandinavian? What, what do they do? How do they pronounce things? The Finnish? Yeah. <laughs> they say, well, firstly, they, they start with. Every sentence by going, firstly, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> but I have to say. Um, um, well, Ville or no. Villa or Ville mm-hmm. does not care how he pronounces his name because no one is listening to Finland, else is listening in Finland anyway. Well, it's awesome that we have a Finnish listener. I'm very happy with that. So go for it. Anyway, just a huge thanks to you guys for making my night shifts at work more entertaining. I'm doing factory work, making windows all around the clock. Well, at least eight hours a day. But anyway, you have made my shifts a lot better. I bet you Finland is one of those countries where it's like, you know what, work eight hours, four days a week, your healthcare is taken care of, you've got like two years maternity leave, and the boss is going to come give you a hug. <laughs> like every, once a month, the boss is going to buy you something nice and give you a hug. It's one of those countries, I bet. I mean, without knowing anything about it, that is also my hunch. <laughs> Uh, I just joined Patreon and decided you guys are worth at least two euros per month. That's what I'm paying now. Let's see if your show gets better. (laughs) (laughs) It will not. So lock in two. (laughs) Treat it mean, keep them keen. Uh, Podcast Mike, can you just do an exchange rate on two euros to see what we're we're shaking the lay down? Five bucks or something, won't it? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, thanks for everything and you're appreciated even on the other side of the world. I've also listened to your very first episodes. Just got to the point where COVID-19 started and I realized that you might really need the money, <laughs> although this might be too late because I'm over a year behind. But then again, then again, so is Charlie even reading these. Awesome. I love that my incompetence translates <laughs> across countries and languages. Um, I'll, I'll just give you a couple of little facts about Finland. Okay. I'm <clears throat> from this article that I found called 16 Facts About Finland. I won't give you all 16, but yeah. just a few. Uh, number one, Finland is the world's happiest country. So you're absolutely right. You fucking nailed it. (laughs) Um, The Nordic countries consistently rank at the top of the UN's annual World Happiness Report. But in 2020, Finland leapfrogged the rest to finish top of the pile. The rankings take into account life expectancy, freedom to make life choices, economic strength, generosity, social support from friends, perceived corruption and views of the society. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Bigger or smaller than Norway, do you think? Smaller. Uh, Is bigger, slightly bigger. Uh, How many people do you think live in Finland? 
Uh, 5.5. So, oh, not bad. 700,000. The Finnish language is totally different from the Scandinavian languages. Okay. So, it's not a Scandinavian country? But all Finns learn learn Swedish at secondary school. Okay. Uh, Finns are the world's biggest coffee drinkers. I think I'd like Finland. Um... Finns don't feel silences. Finnish nationals are perfectly comfortable with silence. When meeting an acquaintance... You are. You should move to Finland. (laughs) I am everything that I'm reading about it. I'm starting to think this is absolutely my country. Breakfast is a savoury affair. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Most Finnish children have two birthday parties. Why? Um... Why? Uh, Does it elaborate? No. Villa, Villa, Ville. Can you tell us mm. why Finnish kids have two birthday parties? Yeah, I don't know. Just because they can, just to show you like, they're the happiest place on earth. Well, I mean, um, yeah, while wow. we're, while we're st- talking about our, our Scandinavian friends, old our old pal Elias has uh, got back in contact. Elias, of course, Will, who uh, his parents had... The biggest horse in all of Norway. Correct. He says, hi, Will and Charlie. Just thought I'd give you guys a quick update on the farm, the horse, and my brother's crazy shenanigans. Oh, because you'll also remember, Will, that um, his brother's built this giant water slide. You can actually go to our YouTube channel, Tofop TV, where I do a reaction video to this, 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 this giant water slide that they built. And I've got to say, he, him, he, I don't know if Elias is in the video, but Elias's brothers and their friends look great. It looks like such a fun afternoon. They're out in the farm, they're drinking, they're doing water slides, DJ comes along, they're all dancing and stuff. It's like, this is it's like a fun place to be. No footage of the big horse, though. That's the only suspicious thing about the entire thing. But yeah, you can find that at Tofop TV on YouTube. Um, okay, first up, the biggest horse in all of Norway is still alive and well. He is getting fatter, though. Well, you know what? That's fine. That's adding to how big he is. That totally. (laughs) Then my brother. After the big slip and slide party last year, my brother wanted to take it up a notch. So this summer, rather than doing the water slide again, he made made a giant human slingshot, (laughs) catapulting all of his mates across a field (laughs) and into a pool. I've attached a video below if you guys want to check it out. Much love from your Norwegian friend, Elias. I definitely will. I think I've got... uh, I'm going to... I'll make another reaction video. I think it's only uh, fitting. Elias, if you want to keep slinging me videos of your crazy brother's uh, adventures on the farm... I mean, I think these guys are living better lives than we are, is what I've said. I bet you they never sit around and talk about how big a crab's dick is. (laughs) Uh, Right. Who else we got here? Oh, did you see? Okay, this is a, an email from Ed saying, Hello, Will and Charlie. A fellow big fan of Mad Max Free Road and the extended Tofop universe. I stumbled across this auction online and thought it might be of interest to you. Have you heard about this? this the, I uh, have. Auction? Okay. Um, so, can, so for people who don't know, uh, they're auctioning off a, a large amount of the vehicles from, from Fury Road. Uh, considering we were robbed of the long hoped for live shows during the pandemic, perhaps it's time to start a new Patreon goal to get the listeners to invest in buying the doof wagon from Mad Max and convert it into the pod wagon. I like your thinking. With a powerful ground. Are we camera. thinking like, you know, pump up the volume style? Like yes, we can we take just it drive around. <laughs> we yeah. just 
drive over the Sydney Harbour Bridge doing our podcast. <laughs> didn't they do that for the premiere of Fury Road? Everyone pissed, got really pissed off. They like, like blocked off Key Little Way or something. It's just us talking about crab dicks. Uh, with a powerful groundswell campaign from the listeners, maybe we'll leave uh, the fleurivests at home. I'm sure we can convince the powers to be, the powers that be, to allow you to do a pod wagon road trip and travel around Australian cities and towns, spreading the good word of Russell Crowe, Bin Wars, and AI slowly taking over. We'll kind of be in the George Miller post-apocalyptic theme as two old mates drive past quiet suburban streets, chatting into a microphone. Turned all the way up to 11, bringing a moment or two of joy and confusion to those locked down in their homes. All the best from Hamburg. Maybe I'll be lucky enough to make it home to Australia in time to catch three minutes of incisive footage, footy haircut chat as you drive by. Cheers, Ed. I love that idea. I mean, I think the problem is all of our Patreon money is going to be going to raising funds for me to change my name to Tofop Fofop. That's my first target goal. But if we've got any money left over... No, I genuinely looked up this auction. I was like, is there any way? Because, you know, I've got the farm now. I was like, imagine if like just on the farm, I was driving around in one of the vehicles from Mad Max. And then I started getting in my own head. I was like, because that'd be, I was like, well, you know what? You know, when you try to convince yourself it would actually be a practical purchase, you're like, well, what sort of, like in the future, what sort of vehicle will you need? You'll need exactly like one of those vehicles from Fury Road and you're not going to be able to build one. The only way you can do it is buy one from this auction house. I mean, I think that would be, if if I, if you could actually get the big Doof Warrior speaker oh. one actually working, I mean, that is, because you've got to stand out from the crowd, especially everyone has a podcast now. If we did a live uh, tour, just on the back of that truck, that would that would be incredible. What do you think? I'm curious to know what those vehicles will go for because, yeah, I, I am too. What do you what reckon? Do you, I'm, I'm I'm in hundreds of thousands. You'd think, right? That's what I would think too. Because they're works of art. They're not just. I mean, they started off as collector item cars anyway, and then, yeah, I would say, I would say, I'd say on average like between two and three hundred thousand. If you're paying that much for like a an old Bentley or something. You'd think those cars. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Like if you're going to buy, I mean, yeah. Although I don't have the money at all to be able Mm -hmm. to do it. But if I had money, if I was at a time in my life, okay, here's what I would honestly say. There have been times in my life where I was earning enough money that if someone said I could buy one for $50,000, I would absolutely buy one. Like, you know, regardless of whether you could drive it or do anything with it, you'd just be like, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to buy that. Well, you know our mate Greg McLean, he bought a tank yeah. once. <laughs> like, when they were filming the Pacific up in uh, Queensland, and he had a bit of scratch and a farm in Victoria. And so he just got in contact with one of the vehicle wranglers, I guess you'd call them, and they said, oh, yeah, we've got an old Sherman tank. It doesn't have a like a, a turret, but we use a fiberglass one. We can sell you that as well. And so I remember going to visit Greg and I just see this like, <laughs> see this fucking tank cresting a hill. He taught himself how to drive like a 1937 Sherman tank. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, I would be fine with that until something went wrong with the tank and then I'd be like, oh God. Well, it just then becomes now a tractor. Get, now really I'm going to have to get a tractor. tank guy out. <laughs> Uh, last bit of mail. Well, this is from Alex. It's a bit of a longer one, but it's good one to finish on, I think. Um, the subject is dying on the inside to crying on the inside, which, as you remember, was the name of our episode two weeks ago. Dear Charlie and Will, thank you for quite literally saving my life. Here's a little story for your medical podcast. I'm not a doctor, but the other day you kept me laughing 
while they kept me living. Like Charlie, I have a severe phobia, only instead of connect four boards, my phobia is of needles. To give you some context, typing out the word needles just now made me feel quite faint and a little bit sick. So last week at work, when I was bitten on the arm by a tiger snake, I became fairly stressed for more than one reason. My immediate thought when I saw the bite marks on my arm was, oh boy, this could be fatal. I wasn't, oh boy, this could be fatal. It was, fuck, how am I going to cope with an IV in my arm? I know that tiger snake bites are very serious, like 20 minutes to live serious, but I was in complete shock and also complete denial. I told myself that the bite wasn't that deep. In fact, it barely pierced my skin. I even said to one of my colleagues, maybe I won't be poisoned. It's been a full 20 seconds now and I feel okay. (laughs) I called the poison's hotline to walk them through what had happened. I found out pretty quickly that I don't give a flying fuck about any details other than can you breathe and how close are you to medical attention. They firmly reminded me that dying was a lot worse than just about anything, including needles. (laughs) I'm still not sure if I agree. Once I was in the hospital, it was time to face my fears. The IV had to go in no matter what. I explained to the nurse the details of my phobia, and she suggested I put my headphones in and listen to, and I quote, something to help me relax. So there I was in Footscray Hospital. It was one week out from Will's Western Bulldogs playing in the AFL Grand Final, and I'd just been told to relax. Too many omens about, I thought. It was just, it was time to just, it was time to finish listening to the Tofop episode that that damn snake had interrupted. It was time for me to conquer my demons. It was time for everyone to relax. It didn't work. (laughs) As soon as I felt the needle go on my skin, I began screaming loudly in a bizarre combination of earnest apologies and demands for the ordeal to be over. All the while writhing while writhing around in a contortionist position for what seemed like an eternity. Then it stopped, but it wasn't over. The nurse told me she could not get the IV in. I had tensed up so much that the needle bounced right out of my arm three times. This was not good news in a situation most Australians would know as A, it's a pretty time-sensitive thing when you're getting by a snake, and B, it's also pretty dependent on staying calm. So I asked the nurse if I could have some security guards hold me down while she tried again. She gave me a shitload of Valium to lower my heart rate and gathered two very confused-looking security guards. No one's ever been a willing participant in this kind of thing, one of the guards chuckled as he gripped my legs. The second attempt was much like the first. I was a complete passenger to what my body was doing whilst shouting sincere apologies at everyone in squeaks and whines. In this haze of panic and squirm, however, my mind tuned in to the dulcet tones of Will and Charlie's chats. You were talking about hate mail in your episode Crying on the Inside, and despite what was going on around me, it cracked me up. The good news was that it made me laugh just long enough for my arms to relax a little bit and before you knew it, the A-team at Footscray Hospital had done the job. The nurse later asked me what I'd been listening to. When I told her Tofop, I was really hoping the two of us would bond over, you keep them laughing so they keep you living. But true to the nature of your discussion and crying on the inside, she had no idea what the pod was, who you two were or really anything else I was saying for that matter. In my defense, I was on a metric fuck ton of benzodiapines so explanations like gruen or blue healers probably came out sounding like complete gibberish 
In, look, even when you're dead sober, trying to explain what TOEFOP is sounds like complete gibberish. And then when you use our biographies, they don't gel together. No. So it doesn't help with the – like they're going, oh, Gruen, I can't get in my – and I'm in a way. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, are you on Still Knox? In the end, it was determined that I was very lucky. They think the snake bounce sort of bounced off my arm. Uh, as it went to bite me and subsequently there was only venom detected on the surface of my arm and not my blood apparently if the medical staff hadn't gotten that IV into my arm so quickly within a few minutes the venom would have sunk into my bloodstream and I shudder to think what the outcome would have looked like then so thank you you guys played a pivotal role in saving my life and I extend my gratitude to extend my gratitude I decided I should help perpetuate your contribution to medicine by signing up as a Patreon a member I did also donate some money to Western Health because I'm a fair man. I think, let's be honest here, they do deserve a bit more credit. They're seriously amazing people, those medical professionals. I'm looking forward to enjoying many, many, many more podcasts to come. Keep up the good work, Alex. Alex, I'm so so glad you made it. (laughs) Me too, Alex. And can I say a couple of things on that? Firstly, the healthcare workers, like... Even if you're double vaccinated, please be careful out there. You know, do the right thing. Don't get in risky situations. This is still like a major issue in our country. And if you haven't had the opportunity to get vaccinated yet, please get vaccinated as soon as you can, if you can. It is so important to do that for the healthcare workers, these frontline healthcare workers who are having to deal with like snake bites and ordinary medical emergencies every day with the combined, on top of that, there would have been covid tests and you know areas they couldn't go into and all these things that are making it more difficult to you know give the treatment they're giving it to someone who's terrified of needles you know as well so there's that and then the other one because you won't know about this but i'll tell you a little uh, fun story that is the second time in two weeks we have been thanked for at least being a very small part in saving someone's life through the podcast <laughs> because a show that i like that I talk about called Are You Dude, which is an American you know, comedy podcast that has one of the original ever podcasts and it's still fucking amazing. Anyway, um, on their recent episode, so I'm just like going for a walk and I'm listening to the episode and suddenly they're reading this letter that they have from this person who started listening to The Dollop and then started listening to our podcasts through The Dollop and then started listening to Are You Dude through me talking about how much I love that podcast. Anyway, they have this little fun sign-off where they say seatbelts at the end. And this guy was a truck driver. And anyway, they'd said seatbelts and like he ended up, yeah, started using his seatbelt again because I think he was a courier or something. So he was getting in and out of the car and he started going, no, 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 you know what? I'm going to wear my seatbelt. And then was involved in this like accident where his seatbelt saved his life. So he'd written them this whole letter about how like, Wow. Their sign-off had basically saved his life. But he mentioned us, so I think we get a little credit on the way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Alex gives a bit more info. P.S. Uh, about the bite, it happened while I was mowing and clearing what can only describe as a jungle of weeds and grass that had grown around some storage containers at my work during Melbourne's lockdown. I left that part out of the story because I don't blame lockdown laws for my stumbling into a snake's nest. I grew up on a farm and you learn sometimes it's hard to avoid snakes. I'll definitely be wearing longer gloves to keep my sleeve and keeping my sleeves on next time I'm in the garden. PPPS. This took me hours to write. <laughs> my girlfriend was most unimpressed that I kept kicking her off the couch so I could go back into recovery position to stop myself from fainting. 
Uh, do you have any tips on how to reduce the effects of debilitating phobias, lads? Uh, look, I did exposure therapy. That was my the, the, my phobia of holes. I just watched increasingly distressing videos and looked at it increasingly distressing uh, photos of, of rot- rotting plants and organic matter and, and, and that seems to have worked a little bit. Um, but uh, there's I, actually I, a lot of stuff online. I'm not sure that I've ever had like a genuine... I mean, I have my reaction I have to people vomiting, but it's never really been... Like, it, it sucks you when you vomit. You can control it. Well, yeah, it doesn't make me vomit. It makes me feel like I want to vomit. Like, so it's not the hugest thing in my life. Um, I think the one that, uh, for me, and again, it's probably not good advice because I don't really suffer from it, but I think sometimes you just got to go, is this worse the power it has over me? Mm. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to go, like, all the energy that I put into this, is is a, is that worth it? Do I get rewarded by that in any way? Well, I think it's also too, and it seems simplistic, but facing up to it, like, because often it's your mind is playing, you're building this thing into a much bigger issue than it needs to be. Like, I think I, the kind of disgusting associations I create with little holes, <laughs> I'm creating like a really horrible thing that I haven't actually seen yet online. And I've been quite disappointed with, I haven't quite found those horrifying images that I can see in my head. And so it's like, all right, well, once you sort of actually go into those places uh, with the needles thing. I'm not sure that's a different thing. Cause that's something going into your flesh. I mean, I, I don't encourage like you to poke needles into your own body. I don't like needles. Right. Um, I, I look in the opposite direction. I know that's very basic advice, but <laughs> like I find that worked for my vaccines. I just looked at the other way. Maybe hypnosis. That works for some people. I don't know. I can't endorse it. Don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's Tofop this week. Uh, I'm Tofop Fofop. <laughs> I'm, I'm never on relax <laughs> for $5 million. <laughs> <laughs>